Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Can you believe it's 2023? No. 2023. I remember when I was a child and, and uh, when I was in the fourth grade. And I can remember it was the bicentennial year. America turned 200 and I thought, wow, you know, I'm actually young enough to where I might be able to see the tricentennial. I could live, I'd be 110 years old, but I could probably do it. You know, I mean, if the Lord should tarry and I would live that long and I thought, well, this is cool. And they had a bicentennial train that made its way through town and we went on a field trip to see it at school and we walked through the train and all the different memorabilia they had from America in, in decades and centuries past and it was kind of a cool thing to do. But it just seems like time just flies by. We just celebrated Christmas and Jesus being revealed to mankind as God's gift for salvation and reconciliation to man. Just last week, we celebrated that and here we are, New Year 2023. The Christmas season is the time of year when many open their hearts and minds to giving to others. And we just embarked off of that, off of Christmas. And, and as you grow up, and a little more mature, then you realize that it's really not about the receiving, but it's about the giving. Amen. It's about the giving. And I would like to continue on that theme of giving. And I want to talk about something that is so powerful, I think, and it's called the gift of time. The gift of time. Giving is shown in multiple ways. There's a giving of time, talent, and treasures, as well as the ability and, 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 and as well as treasure, which is financial resources. I, when, I believe that when someone gives their undistracted time, it really speaks volumes because it's the one gift that we all have the same ability to give. We may not all have the same, and we don't have all the same ability in financial resources. We don't all have the same ability in talent and in what we can physically do. But we all have time, and we all have the same amount of time. Did you ever stop and think that the gift of time is not just a gift that we can give, but time has been given to us by the Creator? If you look at Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In Genesis 2, 7. Man became a living being at that point. In Psalm 139, 13, David writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So our, you know, our time is limited, but it can be, it can be uh, heard in the response of many if you ask them, how are you doing? The response many times is, well, I'm just so busy. The, fizzing, the, the, the feeling of busyness that can also be accompanied by a feeling of just, it seems like we're treading water every week. We can't possibly fit anything into our schedule. But let me tell you something. If an emergency happens, then there's something that fits into your schedule and it fits now because it's more important than anything else because of the nature of it. 
a, a, a car repair, a home situation, or, or even a bout of illness. And then maybe it seems like we'll never catch up, but time is a gift. Time is a gift. How many know that we all have an equal amount of time? I already said that. Seven days is 168 hours. I want to, I've got a graph I think that we can put up maybe. Um, seven days is one week. 168 hours. 10,080 minutes. 604, 800,000 seconds. Now see, you have a lot more time than you thought you did. 600,000 800 seconds. 604,800 seconds. And it took me about 10 seconds to say all that. It sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I want to break down time for you. And I just want you to ponder this. If you attend church faithfully every week, that accounts for approximately 1% of your time. So you have 99% of your time left. If you work 40 hours a week, that's 24% of your time, which leaves 75%. If you happen to sleep eight hours a night, some people are thinking, yeah, right, I never sleep eight hours in my life. And some people are like, I can't function if I don't get 10. I mean, you know, but somewhere just taking in the average. If you sleep eight hours a night, that's 56 hours a week. Or 33%, which leaves you about 42%, or roughly 70 hours. Still sounds like a lot. If you take two hours a week for prayer and reading your Bible, and I would recommend more than that, but if you take one to two hours a week, two hours a week praying, that's another 1% of your time, so you're down to about 41%. Personal hygiene, seven hours a week, which is about 4%. We're still down to 44 hours left. Entertainment, 20 hours per week, which is 12%. That gets us down to 24 hours left, or roughly 14%. And I'll leave the rest up to you to determine where your time goes. You still have about 14% left, or 24 hours unaccounted for after we do all of these things. And you're thinking, well, I just don't see it. Um, you know, a lot of times, unless we consciously think about it or make a list, we don't really know. It's kind of like, how many ever had like $20 in your pocket and before long it's like gone? Where did you spend it? I have no idea. It just went. I mean, you know, like a, a drink here and something to snack on here. And it's just like, where'd my $20 go? I don't know. But if you keep receipts... You can see exactly where it goes, right? You know exactly where it goes. But many times people just don't pay attention to that. And I want to ask you this morning about the gift of time that God has given you, if we should pay attention to it. Here's some quotes about time. William Penn says, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Mother Teresa said, yesterday is gone, tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today. We have only today, let us begin. Nathaniel Hawthorne says, time flies over us, but leaves its shadow behind. Benjamin Franklin said, lost time is never found again. 
Here's an anonymous quote. The greatest gift you can give someone is your time because when you give your time, you are giving a portion of your life that you will never get back. Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said this, lack of direction, not lack of time is the problem. We all have 24-hour days. Henry David Thoreau says, time is but the stream I go a-fishing in. I drink at it, but while I drink, I see the sandy bottom and detect how shallow it is. Its thin current slides away, but eternity remains. And Reverend Marcus Alexander, my, our former pastor, said this, Yesterday is in the tomb of time. Tomorrow is in the womb of time. Today is all we have. Today is all we have. God reminds us in the scriptures that we should, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, follow God's example. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's how we should live. We should live a life of love following his example. It's in that context of making sure that we live in the light of the Lord that enlightens the darkness that we should then in verse 15 be very careful then how you live. Verse 15 says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The English Standard Version says this, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And verse 16 says, making the best use of time. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. How many of you have found yourself, and I know this probably hits all of us, we found ourselves doing something and it's like, you know, I just, I just lost an hour of my time and I have nothing to show for it. Maybe you, maybe you were doing some type of entertainment and you watched a show and you thought, well, maybe it's going to get better and it's going to get better and it didn't. And then at the end of the show, you're like, man, that was an hour wasted. I can never get it back. Maybe you've uh, maybe you've encountered somebody that you didn't that you didn't care to encounter, and they just um, for whatever reason didn't make you feel very good, and you thought, "Man, I'll never get that time back," and I wished it hadn't happened. Before you wish that, you might want to think about something. God regards His gift of time to us very highly. And remember, this gift of time, we're supposed to live our lives in a way that shows the love of Christ and the light of Christ. There's some statistics that I'd like to share with you about time. In an article called Research Report shows how much time we spend gaming. For those of you over 60, if you're not familiar with the term gaming... That is playing games with an electronic device. In their 2019 report, the state, the state of online gaming from Limelight, Limelight Network showed that the world is gaming a lot more than it did. On average, gamers are, are playing seven hours and seven minutes every week. 
That number is actually up 20% from the year before. It's a huge increase. And if we look at the 26 to 35-year-old age group, the increase is even more dramatic. This group is playing more than eight hours a week, which is an increase of 25% from 2018, because this was written in 2019. All age group have dramatically increased the amount they play each week. The lowest number came from the 18 to 25 group, which increased by only 9.9%. And the largest increase was from the 26 to 35 age group, which was up about 26%. Even, get this, the 60 plus group has, has increased the amount they play from one year to the next by 14%. So it's something that is growing in popularity in how people spend their time. And then there's time spent watching television. Uh, this is a projection from 2019 to 2023. Estimates suggest that in 2022, U.S. spent an average of about three hours a day watching TV. And then screen time statistics. The average screen time in the U.S. versus the rest of the world, the average screen time the American spends over seven hours a day looking at a screen each day. And then the average American spends over two hours a day on social media. The average American spends over two hours a day on social media. How much does the average American spend on their phone in 2022? And some, some people are saying, well, it's a lot because I see everywhere I go, people are on their phone. Uh, most mobile phone users check their phone up to 63 times a day. 63 times a day. And, and uh, as I'm saying this, many of you are checking your phones, I'm sure. <laughs> nope. You're like, but there's this alert, and, and I have to look at it. It's like, I read an article one time in, in my training for my job, and it was interesting because they were talking about the problem of distractions in our, in our culture today. And they were talking about um, how we need to have a mindset to be able to focus on one task, uninterrupted, without being distracted from anything else. And so this article went on to tell people, it said, now what you should do is turn off the alerts so you can work on a particular project, turn off everything that will go off telling you to look at it, and just focus on this project. And they said that the average person cannot focus for 20 minutes on one thing, on one thing. They cannot focus on for 20 minutes on one thing. And once they are distracted, it takes them on average 11 minutes to get back to the mindset of where they to pick up where they left off. Now, where how many's ever done that? You've you've been distracted from something. You come back to it. It's okay. Now, where was I? You know, you're getting back into here. And uh, and so this article went on to say this is what floored me. It said it said if you find yourself craving distraction i'll never forget that craving distraction and i'm thinking who in their right mind would crave distraction but it's such a part of our culture today that distraction is just there and if you don't think it is how many of you can probably tell me a news story you heard in the last 24 hours you probably most of you probably can within how many can tell me within the last week how many can tell me Last month, what was in the news? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Unless it's the same story. But it, it's like there's a news story that comes out, and then how many of you ever find yourself 
uh, and I know I'm talking to the crowd under 60, or, or over 50 and over maybe, um, because I know some of the young people don't even watch the news. I'm puzzled at it because, you know, it's like, um, it's like, um, is this supposed to rain? I didn't know it was going to rain today. Well, that's because they didn't, they didn't check, they didn't look. They, they just went outside. It's not raining. I don't need an umbrella. I don't need a coat. Oh, man, it's cold today. Well, they've been talking about this winter blast that's coming through. Didn't you hear about that? Yeah. No, I didn't watch anything. A anyway, but just moving on. But uh, what I'm saying is that is that there's so much that is um, that is ingrained, and we get so distracted by this happens and then that happens. How many of you ever watched a news story where they bring up something and you're thinking, "Oh, I remember that." I remember that happened like three months ago, and here's a continuation of the story that happened three months ago. But it hadn't entered your mind since it happened three months ago. It's because we're in this constant cycle of change, this constant cycle of going over and over and over again. And this gets our attention, and then something else happens and it gets our attention, and something else happens and it gets our attention. And that's the way that life is many times for distracting Pastor, you're just picking on technology. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm all for technology. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works the way that it's supposed to work. Technology is a wonderful thing. It's neither good nor bad. It's just how it's used. It can be used for great good, and it can be used for great evil as well. It doesn't even have to be technology. It can be anything where your time is spent... And you have a sense that it draws you toward that that will take up your time. Here's a prayer from Moses, the man of God. In, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 12, he said, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How many know that our days are numbered? How many know that we know how many days? We, we, we don't know how many days that we have, but he knows exactly how many days that we have. The time that God has graciously given to us is limited, but how will we choose to spend it? How much of giving of our time will be used for the Lord and Savior who has given us the most precious gift of time? How much time will we give to Him? When we stand before the Lord and we give an account of ourselves, which every one of us will, will we be found to have been good stewards of our time? Pastor, I can't even be a good steward of my money. I don't know about time. Well, listen, we're called to be good stewards of whatever he gives us. Giving time isn't always easy, especially if it may not be enjoyable. How many of you, you know, you may, you may go and visit with somebody and it's not always an enjoyable experience? But I got to because they're family. That's okay. But do you realize that every encounter that we have with somebody else, that is a living soul that God has created. And we look past the exterior and we look to what God has created. I know that there are people. They, they're like, I just can't stand to be around that person. I just can't stand it. I'm not going to do it. I have actually had somebody tell me to my face, talking about, this has been several years ago, nobody here, several years ago, somebody said, and this is talking about people in church, I just avoid talking to that person because when I avoid talking to that person, then I don't have these 
bad feelings that I have come up. That person didn't need to avoid talking to that person. They needed to talk more to the Lord and give that over to Him and allow the avenue to be open because we have the ability to make a powerful positive influence showing the love of Christ, showing the light of Christ. If we avoid every situation that's uncomfortable, if we avoid every situation and every person that doesn't make us feel good, how can we share the light of Christ? Oh, I'm only going to I'm only going to be around people and talk to people that I like and, and people that like me and and I want to just feel good every time I come into a conversation. That's not life. That's not life. Well, I don't want my temper to get the best of me because I might say something I had not to say. How many knows that God gives us a brain and we're supposed to, to, to function in a capacity of wisdom and walking in the what? In the spirit in accordance to the word of God. And when we do that, then the Holy Spirit helps us to say the right things and to refrain from saying things that we shouldn't. Reminds me, you know, and a lot of it is teaching. The, the, the Lord's not going to come down and, and just say, you better just not say anything. You better just hold it back. No, we have, we have a brain. We have the ability and reasoning that he has given us to know that, you know, if we're going into some place and it may not be, it may be an area that we're uncomfortable with, we have the ability to just hold back. Well, I just don't know if I can hold back. Practice it. Practice it. How many know that there's a practice mode? How many has ever said something they regretted? Absolutely. I think every, about half of you. The rest of you, I'm not sure about. We've all said something that we regretted. But when we, when we know, we learn from that, and then when it happens again, we're like thinking before we say. Don't know why I said all that. That wasn't in my notes, but that's okay. <laughs> Giving time isn't always easy. It involves a shift in our priorities. If we list on a piece of paper, what are the things most important to you? Would your time that you spend measure up to the priorities that you've given them. If we say that God is the most important thing and Jesus is the most important relationship in my life, if we look at the time that we spend, would that ref be reflected in what we have said is the most important? It's something to think about, church. Doing something different requires intentionally breaking the routines that we have or the habits that we have. I, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough to be able to spend some time in Branson yesterday. My schedule was off because um, we just, we did different things and I didn't get up as early as I probably should have on some days. It was just, you know, after driving and having all kinds of activities and stuff like that. But I just, even when I wasn't at home, I didn't feel right about not reading the word of God and I had to get the Bible out and I had to read the Bible because it, it just makes my day go better. Had to do that. When we stop and we think about it, it helps us to evaluate our priorities in light of God's priorities. 
How many know what God's priorities are in your life? Well, some of you may say, I have no idea. Well, the only way that we can find out is to get closer to him. And I pray that you do that in 2023. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Others above yourself. What was it? Um, I think I think the, the Baptist church coined this because I remember this when I was a kid. They would say, they would, they would teach this to their children. God, others, and yourself. God, others, and yourself. Those in that way, put God first and then others in yourself. That's scriptural. That's what Jesus told us to do. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. You love God, you love others. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Of others. What, I'm not supposed to live myself, my life for me? No. Hello? No. Doesn't matter what the world is doing. Doesn't matter. Whatever comes into your path that will pull you away from God, will pull you away from your relationship with Christ, will make you less close to God, is something that must be avoided. Whatever pulls you in the other direction. As I said, technology is not good or bad. Distractions can be horrendous in our relationship with the Lord. They can have devastating consequences because you have an enemy of your soul that his primary job is to make sure that if anything gets your attention, your focus is pulled away from the things of God first before anything else. He wants to get you in a job that keeps you from going to church, that keeps you from being able to read your Bible or pray effectively. He wants you to be able to, 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 to focus more on that. He wants to bring up trouble and crisis in your life where it gets your attention. Remember, we're creatures of habit and we just look at this because it's right in front of us. And before long, the devil tries to make it so big that that's all we can see. But if we look just around the trouble and we back off just a little bit, we can see that on the other side of the trouble, on the other side, there is a God that is there. And he all he's not only there on the other side, but he is all the way around us. He surrounds us on every side. And he is so good. He has been good to us. And he will never fail. When we give ourselves completely to him, we will see just what he can do through us by giving to others. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork. For we are God's handiwork. Do you know that you are God's handiwork? You are the handiwork of the hand of God. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Good works, that is an action that we are supposed to do, which God has prepared, get this, in advance for us to do. Can you imagine? Some people just got, got through singing about Santa Claus having a list and checking it twice. God has a list of works that he has prepared in advance for each one of us to do. This is God's plan for your life. God has this, 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 this that he wants you to do. The word says he's prepared it in advance. Good works for you to do. We are handiwork. We are the handiwork of God. 
created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has already prepared for us. Well, what am I supposed to do? Find out what's on his list. How many of you, you guys have ever had a honeydew list? It may not have been a real list, but you know there's some things that your wife wants you to do. You know that there's some things and and sometimes it can be a subtle hint. Um, how many know that it's a good thing if you can take a hint? It's a good thing. I have been not the best at taking hints. Sometimes, sometimes it can just go right by and I just don't. But I know that if something's out of place or something needs to be done, you know, and I imagine there's some things that need to be done since we just unloaded from vacation and we came in last night and, and, and didn't have a lot of time to put things away. There's some things that need to be done, you know, and it's, it's you know, there's, there's a, you know, I, I'm just going to say it. How, how many, how many know that, you know, there's only so long that, People can walk by something and not do anything about it. I mean, it's like something's out of place. You know it's out of place, but you just pretend not to see it and you just walk by. It's not going to get fixed just by walking by and thinking it's going to go away. It's not. It's not. And when there's and, and when you're and when you're the only one in your house, there's nobody else to blame. And when there's somebody else living in your house and there's just like a, a, two of you or maybe a few of you, then if you don't do it, that means you're, you're thinking, well, maybe she'll do it. <laughs> a word to the wise, just go ahead and do it. If you know it needs to be done, just go ahead and do it. Well, the trash needs to be taken out. How much more can we fit on top of the trash before it actually... We squash it down, squash it down. Maybe somebody else will take it out. I'll squash it down some more and I won't have to take it out. Just take it out. You see it needs to be done. But you know what? But these are lessons that we teach our kids, right? And the thing is, is when we teach our kids to do that, that's great. But when they get grown and they move out of the house, the kids aren't there to do it anymore. So we have to do it, right? But there's a list. There's a list that God has prepared for you. How many know that when you do things that you've got a list? If, if I were to ask you now, write five things down that you know that need to be done at your house this week. How many could come up with five things? Easy. You can come up with five things that need to be done at your house. Now, if I were to ask you to then go home and then work on those things, and, and, and now I'm talking about not things that are like year-long projects, something that you could do in like five or ten minutes. Something that you could do in five or ten minutes. You could still probably think of five things that need to be done. And if you go and you say, I'm going to do those five things, when you get done with those five things, what do you think? You think, man... I feel pretty good. It feels pretty good to get those things done that I knew needed to be done. But then what happens is when you get those five things done, then there are more things that you find that need to be done yet. And that's no different with God. He says, I've got these things prepared for you in advance. Okay, God, what is it you want me to do? Let me discover. Let me find out what it is you want me to do. And then when we get through those things, you say, okay, God, I'm done. 
Got the rest of my life to myself. No, no, no. I got some more things for you because I've got this list. And as long as we have ability, as long as we have breath in our lungs, God, I believe, is always going to have a list that's prepared for us of the things that he wants us to do in advance. How many times have we allowed ourselves to be so absorbed in activities that have no eternal significance that we've missed out on what possibly God has for us? We've missed out on our prayer time. We've missed out on reading the word. We've missed out on worshiping the Lord both in private and in public together with other followers of Christ. How many times have we been so absorbed in our own activities that we have missed out on those divine appointments that, that God has prepared for us in advance? If we would just raise our head up a little bit and be aware of what's around us and we know that we pray, we know that we've read the word of God, we know that we have, we have uh, 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 worshipped the Lord, we've gathered together in his house and we're prepared before we walk out of the house and then we encounter somebody that needs the Lord how powerful would that be and you walk away because you encourage somebody and you say God thank you for showing me something that was on your list no one can fulfill Jesus' charge to reach <laughs> others with the good news while we walk around in our own little world when we walk around in our own little world, we don't pay any attention to anything else outside of ourselves. We can never fulfill the potential that God has for us. Amen. When we are oblivious to everything around us. The question should not be how should not be how many followers do I have or how many people am I following on social media. The real question should be am I following the most important one, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the very one that gave me my life and gave me the gift of time. Amen. As long as we are followers of Jesus, we have a mission and a purpose to reach souls. For Jesus. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house and declared that salvation had come to his house, Jesus gave the whole of his mission in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That scripture embodies everything that Jesus came to do. That is why he came. He went on to tell the parable in this same chapter of the ten minus in verse 11. While they were listening to this, he's in Zacchaeus's house. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return so he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Jesus gave money to his servants. This, this, this nobleman gave money to his servants with the charge of doing something because he would come back. It's a powerful illustration of how we have been also given this high level of responsibility of working for Jesus. He has entrusted to us a most powerful message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, you need to put this to work until I come back. 
We all have been given the equal gift of time to invest into the kingdom of God. Everybody redeemed by the blood of Jesus is charged to be faithful to him above everything else, above every other pursuit, to live by the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Sometimes some people can say it's really hard to have self-control. We ate at a buffet yesterday and they had ice cream. Praise the Lord. And, um, and Journey had eaten her milk, eaten her, her meal, and she was then allowed to drink her chocolate milk. And so while she had her head buried, holding this chocolate milk with the straw, sucking up all the goodness and the richness of chocolate milk in her own little world, Poppy was eating an ice cream cone. <laughs> but the minute she looked up and she saw what I was doing, that chocolate milk was not nearly as important anymore. And she made her way over and I shared with her. I shared with Autumn as well. But I shared with her. And so I asked her, I said, do you want to go get some ice cream? She said, yes. And she so I carried her over to the ice cream machine. And I said, you want vanilla or chocolate? She wants chocolate. And I was thinking she'd want like something with chocolate sauce. And she didn't want any of the chocolate sauce, the strawberry sauce, the, um, the uh, butterscotch. She didn't want the nuts, but she wanted the chocolate chips. So she wanted chocolate and chocolate. And that's what she decided to get. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but her attention was diverted when she saw something that was of a greater value than what she had in her hand. And I would submit to you that if for one moment, if we would just look up from where we are, self-absorbed in our own, whatever's in front of us, and we look, and we look to the Lord, he has something that is of so much greater value and immense value. Amen. And he can take us along and say, let me show you some things. Let me show you what's here. I've got a calling for you. I've got a gift for you. And it, and it requires you to invest your time. It requires you to invest your time. When we do this, I believe we see that he has given us the full opportunity and the full the, the time and the means to live for Jesus and show that his love and his acts of kindness that his love through acts of kindness and prayer and offering as many as other countless ways all for his glory and his purpose. In the parable of the nobleman that we read, when he came back and he found a servant that did, did nothing with the money that was left him, it was taken away from him. It was taken away. What if the Lord were to look at wasted time, time that was never used for him, and he decided that that person had enough time and there would be no time left for them. How would that be? We don't know how much time that we have. Church is not time to play, but it's time to use the precious gift of time that we've been given for God. 
There's an old song that I remember when I was very little. I, did, I, I thought about looking it up, but I didn't. But it talked about wasted years. Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Oh, how foolish. A man looking back on his life and realizing that I've wasted so much time. I've wasted it. We can't do anything about 2022. We can't do anything about what happened years ago, even weeks ago. There's nothing we can do about it. But what we can do is we can say, Lord, I want a purpose to give you the, the most that I can of my time. I want to know what's on your list so that I can be a blessing and a help to others. And I want to devote myself more fully and completely to you. As we begin this new year, I believe that we must pray like we've never prayed before. Get into the word of God like we've never gotten into the word before. Be used by him more than we've ever been used before. Both within the ministry of this church body and outside the four walls of the church in your world where you go and where you travel. Be willing to be used by God. Sell out to him 100% so that there's no question that we can say we've done our best. We've done our best in making the most of the time that God has given to us. The King James uses the term redeeming the time, making the most of the time. It has been said that your life is a gift from God and what you make of it is a gift back to him. I believe that it's fully realized in knowing that the gift of time that he gives us is absolutely a gift that we give back to him as well. The gift of time. Why is that important? Jesus went to a town in Samaria that was not the normal means of travel. And he met a woman at the well. He met a woman who had lived a rough life. Normal Jewish custom would be to go days around there because they hated the Samaritans so much. They were kind of half-breeds and they had polytheistic ways. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. But Jesus purposed to go there because there was a mission that he had been given to go there by the Heavenly Father. He went there with a purpose. And if you realize that he got into a conversation with somebody who was undesirable, he got into a conversation with somebody who would be... Um, outcast by everybody else in his world will be treated as a second class citizen and when he encountered this woman and she encountered him there was a great revelation that he was the Messiah to this woman she went back to the town and said come see a man who told me everything I ever did and Jesus Stayed in that town. I believe the scripture said for two more days. For two more days. Teaching them about God. And at the end 
those people said, we believe not just because of what you told us, woman. We believe because we have heard it for ourselves. Now, Jesus could have just said, I'm not going there. I'm just going to do what I've all, I'm just going to do with the Jewish people. I'm going to go along with the flow, what everybody else does, and I'm not going that way. He could have encountered this woman and declined their offer to stay for a couple of more days. But he was willing to give up his time. And I think it's a powerful example. He asked for nothing in return, but he gave his time so that others could hear the good news. And I would submit to you that that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do, is to be willing to submit and give our time so that others can hear the good news. Ministry is never convenient. It many times doesn't have rewards that we can see tangibly. But the rewards are absolutely eternal. The gift of time. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, for the reminder that the time that you have given, the very breath in our lungs, the very um, ability that you have given us and, and all of these things is a precious gift. Let us not waste it, Lord. Let us do the most that we can with the time that we have because none of us knows exactly how much time that we have. It's unlikely that we'll ever be gathered in this situation again exactly this same way. But Lord, we know that you have that pathway carved out for each of us. If we're willing to invest our time in you and for you, God, the rewards are eternal. And Lord, when we know that we have done what you have wanted, Lord, we will know, we'll walk away with the knowledge and with the, and with the peace in our heart to know that we have done something that is pleasing for you. And that's our goal, is to be pleasing to you, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.